You're listening to the St John's Diamond Creek Podcast. This episode presented by Senior Minister Tim Johnson. Praise the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters, today's reading is from Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 to 14. The Bible says, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earlier things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appear then, you also will appear with him in glory. Put to the death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earlier nature, sexual, immorality, impurity, lusty, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of this, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in this way in the life you once lived, but now you must also write yourself of all such things as this anger, anger, rage, malice, slangy, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practice, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no gentle or Jews, circumcised or uncircumcised, but a bride, sunsets, slave, or free, or free. But Christ is all, and it is in all. Therefore, as God chosen people, holy and daily love, close yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgive you. And over all this vital put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unit. Well, I've recently reread The Lord of the Rings with one of my daughters, and we're now watching the movies. There's a scene in The Two Towers where all seems hopeless, and Sam speaks these words to Frodo. It's like in the great stories, Mr. Frodo, the ones that really mattered, full of darkness and danger they were. And sometimes you didn't want to know the end because how could the end be happy? How could the world go back to the way it was when so much bad had happened? But in the end, it's only a passing thing, this shadow. Even darkness must pass. A new day will come And when the sun shines, it will shine out the clearer. Those were the stories that stayed with you, that meant something, even if you were too small to understand why. 
But I think, Mr. Frodo, I do understand. I know now. Folk in those stories had lots of chances of turning back, only they didn't. They kept going because they were holding on to something, that there is some good in this world and it's worth fighting for. As Sam reflects on their current challenges, he compares it to the great stories that he knows and is encouraged to keep persevering. Because he too is living in a story and will keep fighting for good no matter how dark the current circumstances seem. Now we humans love stories, whether they're books or movies, the power of stories seems to be hardwired into us as human beings. Jonathan Gottschall has written a book called The Storytelling Animal, How Stories Make Us Human, which makes this very point. That a key part of our humanity is that we are storytellers and we live our lives in terms of the stories that we think we're living in. Today's the last week in our series, You Do You, where we are thinking about the question of identity and where we've been challenging the notion of expressive individualism, which says that your identity is primarily found by looking inside yourself. We've seen through this series that in order to truly understand who you are, you need to look not only within, you need to look around, because we're social creatures made for relationship, and you need to look up because we are made by God and in the image of God. Today we're thinking about how we also need to look backwards and forwards as we locate ourselves within the big story that we live in. This is key to understanding your identity. Jonathan Gottschall says, our life stories are who we are. They are our identity. Christian author Tim Keller says, everyone lives and operates out of some narrative identity, whether it's thought out or not. And theologian Alistair McGrath says, the stories we believe we are in determines what we think about ourselves and consequently how we live. So what story do you believe that you are living in? There are different stories that we can choose from, different stories to inhabit. In Brian Rosner's book, How to Find Yourself, he outlines various different stories that are told that people believe they live in and which are the basis for their identity. He helpfully frames each of these stories using the following four categories. The problem, what is the fundamental problem in the world that the story addresses? Past turning points, what bad and good events have been significant turning points in the story? Present struggle, what's the present challenge for those living in this story? And future hope, what goal or future hope is this story moving towards? So here are some examples. There's the enlightenment progress story. Right, the problem is ignorance and constraints on personal freedom. Uh, religion is often painted as part of the problem here, blind faith leading to ignorance and church authority repressing freedom. 
Past turning points have been the Renaissance in the 15th century and the Enlightenment or the Age of Reason in the 17th and 18th centuries. The present struggle is progress through the development of science and technology and education and the future hope is the triumph of reason and enlightenment and the complete elimination of religion with its dogma. Then there's the sexual revolution story, right? What's the problem? Well, the problem is sexual repression and moral codes that constrain sexuality and sexual conduct. Past turning points have been Sigmund Freud with his theories about sexual repression leading to psychological problems and the development of the birth control pill, which made casual sex less risky and broke the link between sex and pregnancy. The present struggle is removing social norms and sexual taboos and fulfillment through the release of sexual desire. The future hope is sexual emancipation and the authentic expression of the true sexual self. There's the consumerism story, right, where the problem is poverty or falling short of material prosperity. Past turning points include the Industrial Revolution in the 18th and 19th centuries, the rise of capitalism, and the saturation of society with advertising. The present struggle is the accumulation of possessions, financial security, and enjoying one's life to the full. The future hope is material comfort and happiness. There's the social justice story. The problem is injustice against various minority groups. Uh, past turning points include examples of historical injustice. So for example, the fact that Aboriginal ex-servicemen were denied access to soldier settlement schemes. And also times of progress, like the 1967 referendum to include Aboriginal Australians in the census. The present struggle is fighting against all forms of racism, sexism, homophobia, and transphobia, and against people who perpetrate such identity-based evils. The future hope is the transformation of society and human nature itself. Now, each of these stories has things in them that we would want to commend. Each of these stories captures aspects of biblical truth and has some alignment with Christianity, uh, knowledge rather than ignorance, uh, the enjoyment of sexual expression, the alleviation of poverty and the enjoyment of material goods, the concern for the marginalised. But all of these stories also have distortions or twisted aspects of these good gifts of God, and all of these stories underestimate in some way the seriousness or the extent of the problem. How deep it goes within us as human persons, and how wide it is that it affects all humans. So they're overly optimistic about our ability as humans, uh, our ability to undertake the present struggle, and they have a diminished view of the future hope. Now to see why this is, let's turn to the Christian story, which I believe gives better answers to all of these questions. 
So as Christians, we believe that there is a better story, a story that is far more compelling to live in, a story that's far more powerful for basing our identity on. It's a story where we are not the hero or the centre of attention. The hero of this story is Jesus. Two weeks back, I spoke about Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was in the Nazi prison camp and who struggled with the question of identity with his poem, Who Am I? Listen to what he wrote about our life stories. The fact that Jesus Christ died is more important than the fact that I will die. I find salvation not in my life story, but only in the story of Jesus Christ. How do you react to those words? Uh, Do they offend you or make you feel uncomfortable? They certainly oppose expressive individualism with its call to find our identity inside ourselves. Instead, here the challenge is to find our identity in the story of Jesus. This is the same point that Paul makes in Colossians 3, our Bible reading for today. Listen again to verses 1 to 4. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. The key to the story that we are living in is what has happened to Jesus. As we say in our communion service, Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Those three truths shape our past, our present, and our future. Because Jesus died, we also have died. We've died to our old way of life, and we have a new way to live. Because Jesus rose, we have also been raised with him, and amazingly, we're we're told we are seated in heaven with him. So our thinking needs to be focused on heavenly things, on the things of God. And because Jesus will come back again, then we have a future hope that is held secure in him. So Jesus' story is the key to unlocking your life story. Implicit here is this idea that we are in Christ. It is not just that we follow Jesus or copy Jesus, it is that we are so united to Jesus, we're so tightly linked that we are in him. And every victory that he has won is ours in him. Our lives are hidden in him and we live out of what he has done. This helps us to understand the story that we're living in, in terms of those story categories that Brian Rosner introduced. What is the problem that the world is facing? Well, the problem is pervasive evil, which has come about due to 
humanity's rejection of God and living in ways that are out of step with God. Here's how Paul puts it in Colossians 3, 5 and 6. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Embedded in our earthly, sinful human nature are desires for wrong things which flow into wrong actions and which result in God's righteous anger against us. This is why we cannot simply follow our hearts because our hearts often seek things that are harmful for us and which are not aligned with God's desire for us as people made in his image. You can see how deep and pervasive the problem is. We don't just need better education, greater freedom, less poverty, less discrimination. They deal with symptoms of the problem rather than tackling the real problem. The real problem is embedded in our hearts. It's our sinful human nature. And that problem is embedded in every single human heart. So it's not just a case of identifying the bad people and cancelling them or even eliminating them. All of the stories, these other stories, misdiagnose the problem and are naive about how serious it is. The reality is that the problem is so deep and pervasive that it needs a radical intervention from God himself. And that happens in the person of Jesus. What are the key turning points in this story? Well, they are the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. In Jesus, God joins himself with humanity. He becomes one of us by taking on human flesh in order to rescue us. In Jesus, God bears our sin on the cross so that we can be forgiven. In Jesus, God's wrath is turned upon himself so that we don't have to face it. In Jesus, God breaks the power of sin and death because Jesus rises again and death no longer has any power over him. And because it has no power over him, it has no power over us because we are in him. What has happened to him is so guaranteed, so assured for us that it's as if we're seated in heaven with him right now. Because the problem is so deep and pervasive, it needs a truly radical solution. And the life, death and resurrection of Jesus provides that solution. Here are the key turning points in the human story and in each of our stories. So what then is the present struggle? Well, it's living out the new life in Jesus. That's filled out throughout our Bible passage with each description of what Jesus has done, what that means for our identity, and how then we live in response. Set your hearts on things above, not on earthly things, verses 1 and 2. 
put to death whatever belongs to the earthly nature. Verse 5. Rid yourself of anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Verse 8. Do not lie to each other. Verse 9. Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Verse 12. Bear with each other and forgive one another. Verse 13. Over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Verse 14. In short, our struggle in the present is to live out our identity in Jesus, to take off the old life that is out of step with Jesus and to put on the new life that is Jesus' way of living. So rather than you do you, we should say you do the new you, you do the real you, you do the Jesus-shaped you. And what about future hope? Listen to the beautiful description of verse 4. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. The future hope in this story is glory. That's a shorthand for the fullness of life that we will enjoy with God forever. It's the resurrection of our bodies just like Jesus has been raised. It's the new heavens and the new earth, life in the renewed creation when God's presence fills and completes it all. I think this is one of the most powerful elements of this story as we think about our identity. We're living in a story that is not finished yet and who we are is not completed yet. In in verse 10, we read that we have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. God isn't finished with you yet. He's renewing you day by day and year by year. He's transforming you into his image as he created you to bear that image. In 1 John 3, 2, we read, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Two weeks ago, we spoke about the reality that in Jesus, we are children of God, his daughter, his son. That's a present reality. But it's also an unfinished reality. Who we will be is only fully revealed when Jesus returns, when Jesus' plans are completed, and when the fullness of our identity in Christ is realised. Now, that's a great relief, isn't it? As we think about our identity, we constantly think that we need to know who we are fully now. And the truth is that 
None of us has our identity fully worked out now. We're all a work in progress. That's the truth of living in God's big story, that you are made in God's image now, but he's transforming you into the fullness of his image. You are a child of God now, but the full beauty of your identity, personality, and perfection hasn't yet been seen. This is the real story. This is the big and true story. This is the story that must shape our lives and our identities now. So how do we live in this story in practical ways? Three things. Firstly, make a decision to follow Jesus. Expressive individualism asserts, to be yourself, you have to find yourself. But Jesus says something radically different. He says, whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. By trying to find yourself on your own, by looking inside yourself, you'll lose yourself. The only way to truly find yourself is to look to Jesus and to unite yourself to him. That's how you connect in to this big story of the world. That's how your story and God's story unite. It is in Jesus that you become part of this great narrative. Secondly, you need to recite the story by meeting with God's people every week. Jonathan Gottschall says, the more absorbed readers are in a story, the more the story changes them. How do you absorb yourself in God's story? Well, that's what church is all about. Sing God's story with other people. Listen to God's story read and explained in the Bible. Pray so that your life will be shaped according to God's story and with a desire that the world will be shaped that way too. Take communion to rehearse with others the key turning points of the story. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. As you eat bread and, and drink wine or juice, you're tangibly reminding yourself and immersing yourself in the story. And you're being strengthened by feeding on Christ by faith. Thirdly, live out the Jesus story in your life each day. All these commands in Colossians are about putting on the new self every day. In the same way that you put on clothes every day, you put on the new life of Jesus and its way of being. Living out the Jesus story is not a once a week for an hour thing. If we're living in this story, if we're absorbed by it and immersed in it, then it is all of our life all the time. 
As we get up each day, our identity and our life is shaped by this story that we are living in. Jesus has died and we have died with him. That is who you are. So put to death anything that is not honouring to him. Jesus is risen and we've been raised with him. So put on the new life each day and live out your new identity. You do the new you. And Jesus is coming back. And so live now for the future. Live in the freedom and the knowledge that God is transforming you every single day. Live in the future hope of glory, resurrection bodies, restored creation, new heavens, new earth, and the fullness of your identity realized, perfected, and revealed to everyone in Jesus. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek.